I was just thinking as we were uh, just worshiping, there is nothing greater than Jesus. Uh, there is nothing greater than God. Um, today in the Christian calendar, it's Christ the King Sunday. It's the Sunday right before when Advent begins, which is next Sunday. Uh, he is the King. We know that Jesus is the King of Kings. We know that He is the Lord of Lords. There's no one greater. There's no one more powerful. There's no one who knows more than God. There is no one who is more compassionate than our Savior. There's, he is the ultimate. He, you know, and so as you and I give our hearts more and more to God, as you and I surrender more and more of our lives to Him, and He becomes the Lord in every area, that's the greatest and that's the best and that's the wisest choice we could ever make. Uh, to trust in our own selves as opposed to trusting in the God who knows all uh, isn't the best choice. So trusting in Him and knowing that He can do all things. There's nothing impossible for God. So, so these are thoughts that are going through my mind as we're worshiping. I don't know what goes through your mind when, when you're worshiping. Hopefully it's uh, opportunities for us to, to just enjoy being with Him. That's why we gather, uh, is to encounter the living God. Amen. Uh, and may God just continue to bless and nurture you and draw you closer to himself and, and, and love on you as you've come to love on him. And, and uh, church is a safe place. If someone doesn't know the Lord and, and they're searching, this should be a place where they can come and, and just open their hearts and be honest and say, God, I don't know that I know you very well. And uh, God can come and minister. And so um, anyway, I, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. Uh, we're in the second week of a sermon series entitled uh, God Loves, God Gives. Um, and uh, last week we encouraged you, and many of you did, uh, to bring canned goods, our campaign. And so many of y'all brought those canned goods to the church. And then many folks left the service after it was over to go to the two places that we had, uh, two grocery stores that we had set up and, and uh, bought canned goods and, and took them to the trucks that were there in the parking lot. A lot of people that didn't uh, connect with Martha Bowman in any way, shape, or form were asking, uh, you know, what's going on, what's happening, and we were able to tell them what was, what was going on, and they would buy canned goods and bring them. So we delivered to the uh, Macon Outreach Food Pantry over 20 large boxes just full of canned goods to help stock their, their pantry. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for uh, the way you participated in that last week. And if you didn't participate last week, that's fine because I know there's so many other ways that you're participating in giving uh, of yourself. I want to highlight some of those. And, and what we've done the last two weeks is, is in our mission campaign, our, our emphasis is, is to highlight some of these ways you guys are helping in our community uh, advance the kingdom. And Liz did a great job last week of, of just sharing about missions and, and the harvest hands. And if you were here last week, you might remember uh, that sermon. But, but locally, we do so much. Uh, making outreach was one of the uh, opportunities that we highlighted in, in the devotionals uh, that we, we've had the last two weeks. Uh, the food pantry was the one we wanted to help stock last week. Paula's Closet uh, is an outreach of making outreach, and we've got church members that, that go there and, and, and sort the clothes and make sure folks who come uh, have the opportunity to, to, to get some beautiful clothing. You guys have donated clothing. Uh, we had uh, a huge donation this morning, so when I went into Fran's office this morning, there were all these clothes in, on her couch, and I said, Paula's Closet? She said, yeah, these are clothes that came in this morning. People brought clothes, so we'll take those to Paula's Closet. 
Uh, there's other clothing ministries here in, in Macon as well. We just highlighted Paula's Closet. Uh, Centenary Community Ministries. We, we had uh, Eric, who is the executive director, share about what God's doing there. Uh, we support that ministry. It's a powerful outreach uh, here uh, from Centenary Church, and, and uh, we're so excited to be able to partner with them. So when people come and need uh, assistance, we, we direct them to, to Centenary Community Ministries. They're able to help in, in lots of different ways. But the transition home was kind of highlighted uh, in our devotional time. And, and uh, this is an opportunity for, for men who are addicted uh, to come and get help and, and truly uh, get set free from that which has kept them in chains and bondage. Uh, Daybreak was another ministry that was highlighted, and, and there's so many awesome, th- awesome things that are happening with that ministry. The Mentor Projects uh, Project with Jane O'Neill, who's executive director, member of our church, uh, we highlighted that ministry, and others. Uh, Spectrum Ministries in T- Tijuana, Mexico, where our church has, has been uh, such an active part of their ministry for almost 20 years now, and many of you guys as, as teenagers went uh, on a mission trip to Tijuana and, uh, and just personally have seen the great work that goes on there. So um, uh, we just want to continue that on. This morning we want to continue that theme, uh, and I'll be sharing with you a little bit from, from Mark's gospel, something Jesus said and something that we want to continue to do. But, but thank you for the way you reach out. Thank you for the way that, that you are unselfish in what God's given you to help others, uh, and we do that locally. But this morning I want us to, to hear what Jesus said, and we just can't keep the blessing local. Uh, it, it's important that we look around and say, what's happening in our community? How can we help meet those needs? Uh, in the book of Acts, when you read about the church, a, a powerful description was within that church in Jerusalem, there was not a needy one among them. There was not a needy one among them. But there were people that had needs. But because God had moved on the hearts of the people in that church, they gave of what they had to help meet the needs of those who were needy. So within the life of your church, our church, we, we, we say, how can we make sure we care for each person in our congregation? And then how can we make sure we care for our community? How do we make sure, making that there's not a needy person among us? And that's a huge, huge task. And that's why there's so many different ministries uh, that are helping meet this need. And, and there's a niche here. We're trying to meet that need and, and we're trying to bless. And, and so you, we, we want to continue to do that in making. So that's why we've highlighted and we've, we've said thank you. We've we celebrated what God's doing here. But one of the things we find that, that Jesus said is that if we just bless our community, we're missing out on what God has called us to do. And so let's look at that. Uh, It's in your bulletin. uh, In in Mark chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. So he went out into all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now the context of this verse, we see that Jesus is in the area of Galilee and we have a body of water called the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's not a, a sea, an ocean like we know. It's a massive lake, but it was called the Sea of Galilee. That's many times now it's called the Sea of Tiberias. Tiberias is a, is a uh, town there on the, on the coast there, kind of the southwest coast. And if you ever go to the Holy Land to visit, and I hope you have the opportunity to do that, and if you, if you haven't, pray about, you know, maybe there's a time that you might want to go there. Uh, but if you go on a trip to the Holy Land, you'll go up to Galilee, because a lot of the ministry of Jesus happened around the Sea of Galilee. 
You'll probably stay in Tiberias, and then they'll take you to different places. Well, Jesus is in Galilee, in that region, and he's at the, in the Sea of Galilee, and he goes to a town called Capernaum, which is a little bit further north, a little bit northeast, uh, or northwest on the, on the sea there. Um, and in this town, we find there's where, that's where Simon Peter grew up. That's where Andrew, his brother, grew up. And so Jesus goes to the house of Simon and Andrew, and he finds as he goes to this house that Simon's mother-in-law has a fever, and she's sick, and she's in bed. She can't do anything because of her illness. Now, when I got COVID, uh, I ran fever for a week, and, and I know how miserable that was for me and, and how it just sapped me of my energy. And, and so I don't know how Peter's mother-in-law felt, but if it, was, if it was anything like what I felt when I ran fever for a week, it is horrible. So she's laying in bed. She's just, she, she has no energy probably, uh, but her body's fighting some, something. And Jesus goes in, and he grabs her hand, and he looks at her, and he, and he probably speaks to her tender words, and he heals her immediately. And so when she gets up, she starts doing the things she loves to do. She's waiting on those people. She's, she's got a spirit of hospitality, so she's caring for the people that are in her home. And we find out as we continue to read in Mark's gospel that the people in Capernaum find out that Jesus is at Simon's house. And so one translation says the entire community come, they come to the house because Jesus is there. And, and they, they press in on the door, and, they, and they're wanting to talk to Jesus. They're wanting to listen to him, and, and they're wanting to, 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 to be around him. And so as Jesus begins to minister to this crowd, uh, we find out that he begins to heal some of those who are sick. He begins to cast out devils, demons that people were demon-possessed, and he teaches them, and he ministers to them, and he cares for this community of Capernaum. And so as this happens, that, that, that there's an impact, there's an influence, there's, there's a, a dramatic change that takes place in the lives of so many people because they've come in contact with Jesus. They've had a taste of who this man is. And I believe that anyone who has an encounter with Jesus and they get a taste of the love of God and the compassion of God and the tender mercies of God and the holiness of God. There, there's something that changes in, in our lives. We are, we are drawn closer and closer. We want more. It's like when if you, if, uh, if you have never had ice cream and you take that first taste of ice cream, it's like, ooh, I want more of this. I want more of this. Anything that you enjoy, um, uh, you want more of it. And so they, they have this encounter with Jesus, and they want more. They want more. They want more of his time. They want him to, to stay in Capernaum. They, they don't want him to leave. They want him to, to hang out and, and don't, don't leave us. And we find that, that early that next morning before the sun rises, Jesus goes out from the house, and he finds a desolate spot. He, he finds a place where there's nobody around, and he spends time there praying. And when the disciples get up, they look in the house, they don't find Jesus, and so they go outside and they start searching for him. And when they find Jesus where he's praying, they say to him, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. They want to know where you are. They want to spend more time with you. And then Jesus says this that we just read, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also for that is what I came for. Jesus still loved the people in Capernaum. He still wanted to minister to them. He still wanted to care for them. But that's not the only group of people that he had intense passion for. 
And so he tells his disciples, yes, I would love to stay here in Capernaum, if you read through the lines. I would love to talk more to Bill and to John and to Susie and, and Ellie. I, I would love to spend more time with them because I care deeply for them. But there's other communities. There's other towns. There's other places that I need to go to. And I need to talk to them about the Father. And I need to show them how much God loves them and how much he is willing to have mercy and forgive. And I want to set people free from the bondage that they're in. So we can't just stay here. We need to go. We have to go. That's why I came, is to reach and to save as many people as will respond to my invitation of salvation. So as we see in this passage, in, in Luke chapter 4, it's the same story. And Jesus says the same thing to his followers. I need to go. I have to go. I am to go. And not just stay in my community. Not just stay in this locale. So my encouragement this morning, what I feel like God's calling us to, to hear is, first of all, continue to do what you're doing in Macon, Martha Bowman. And we will. As Fran and I are asking God, show us what you want us to do as a church, it consistently is make sure there's not a needy person among you. Care for your flock. Care for the people in your church. And then care for the people in your community. But then you've got to, you have to, you are to, to obey me, is to look beyond and not be satisfied with just reaching the people in your community. So we need to go to the end of Matthew's gospel, and we'll go to the end of Mark's gospel to get some insight into this. And this is Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. And this is a scripture that you might have already memorized, but it's a very familiar one. Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. Over a period of 40 days, he's appeared to his followers. And uh, the letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, over 500 men and women were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. Over 500 men and women were able to, to see Jesus after he was raised from the dead, listen to him, talk to him. Just like Thomas, they were able to touch the holes that the nails left in his feet and in his hands. They, they were able to see him. And they were convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that this Jesus who was crucified on a Roman cross, God raised from the dead and that he is truly the son of God. And so as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he said, you can go to Jerusalem today and still talk to these people, these people who are still alive, who have seen the risen Christ. And Paul said, I've seen Jesus alive from the dead. So, so as Paul writes, so, so Jesus has appeared to these people and spoken to them and helped them understand the law of the Old Testament and, and why that was significant, but how he has fulfilled that law and how we don't have to bring a goat or a sheep or a lamb or a bull and have it sacrificed by the priest in a ceremonial proper way and, and offer that up to God as, a, as an offering of, of sacrifice. He helped them understand that was, that was set up so, so it would point to Jesus on the cross and, and that he was that lamb who was slain. That, that, and so he under, helped them understand about the, the, the priesthood and how all that is fulfilled in Jesus. And, and he helped them understand and connect all the dots so there was no confusion now, they had to keep working that out. In the book of Acts, we see it. the church had to keep working that out. But he's about to go into heaven, and the Holy Spirit is about to be poured out on the day of Pentecost. But Jesus says to his followers, all authority, this is in Matthew 28, has been given to me in heaven 
and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he tells his disciples, he says, yes, I want you to minister where you are, but then make sure that you are intentional about going into all the world to make disciples of every nation because our tendency is to stay put. Our tendency is, is, is to, to, to have roots which are important and deep roots. And God knows that about how he's wired us. And he says, you are to go. You have to go. You have to, to reach out. Mark 16, same thing. Jesus says some very similar things. But we find in verse 15, he says to them, same situation. He's been raised from the dead. He's, he's appeared to his disciples. He's about to go into heaven. Um, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned our hope is that every person who hears the gospel responds to that good news. But we know not everybody does. And not everybody does on the first time. So sometimes it's the second or the third or the fourth. When, when Fran and I did campus ministry and we would teach evangelism and, and take college students out on the college campus and, and, and see them witness and help them understand how to share their faith, uh, the, the, the statistics back then was it, it takes at least seven times for somebody to hear the gospel before they really are ready to respond. And not all the time. But we would tell them if someone doesn't want to give their heart to Christ or someone doesn't want to accept the invitation to come to this uh, activity that we're doing or this event or someone's not real positive, that's okay. You might be the second person who's talked to them. You might be the fifth person. If you're the seventh and they're ready to get saved, that's wonderful. You have the blessing of praying with them and, and seeing them come to faith in Christ. But it, it's, it's an ongoing drawing of that person to God. And we are a part of that process and so you might invite somebody to church and they might turn you down. And that's okay. So keep inviting and keep inviting and keep inviting. And that's why we do things like the food truck fest that we would have had uh, had not COVID come. And, and the idea of, of inviting them to a bridge event, something that's, that's not very threatening, something that's fun to do, and, but it's connected to, to, the, to the body of Christ. And, and so Jesus says, if you believe, you'll be saved. But if you don't believe in me, then you'll be condemned. Our heart's desire, God's heart's desire is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. But Jesus told his followers, he said, narrow is the way that leads to life and few are those who find it. And broad is the way that leads to destruction and many go that way. So the reality is we know that there's a lot of people that aren't going to accept the invitation, but that can't keep us from going. That is not to deter us from inviting people and sharing the good news and, and helping people out. So at Martha Bowman, we do missions. And last week, Liz, who is our uh, missions coordinator, director here, uh, talked about how God had called her to mission. And she thought she was going to go internationally. You remember, she was going to go somewhere in the world. And in that particular year, they, they, they started a brand new ministry in the United States here in Macon, Georgia. And God called her to come to Macon. So sometimes we, we realize that we, we do local missions, and we'll always do that. And we want to do missions. We want to go out and we want to share things in our nation. That's why we've sent the middle school to Kentucky to do work up there. That's why we've sent adult teams to, to Alaska where we'll continue to do things nationally. And then we'll always do things internationally. We'll always do something uh, somewhere in the world. 
Uh, representatives of Martha Bowman will always be sent out. Uh, Tijuana has been a place that we've gone faithfully for so long and will continue to do international missions. Um, a church I was serving um, chose Ukraine to be their international mission place. We, we had a church member who grew up in a town called Kivarog, Ukraine. If you look at the nation of Ukraine and, and you go to the center, like if you go to the state of Georgia, you go to the center, that's kind of where Macon is. But if you go to the center of the nation of Ukraine and then you go kind of south, there's a large city uh, called Kivarog. And, uh, and she grew up there and she married an American and they were a part of the church. And she said, in my town in Ukraine, uh, which is a huge town, there's so many orphanages as there are in the entire nation. And they are so needy. They are so needy. My hope was that God's people would reach out to those orphans that grew up and grow up in that, in that town. Her grandmother would send her extra food in her lunch to give to the kids that attended her school that lived in these orphanages. So in the year 2000, I was the associate pastor at this church, and, and a team went to that town, and we met several of the orphanage directors, and we found out what the needs were, and we were going to bring that back to the church to say either, yes, we can help them, or, or no, we can't. So when we came back, we just felt so impressed by the Lord that, that we were to help meet those needs. And so we went back the next summer, and we went back the next summer, and then we started going at Christmas time, and the Lord's allowed me to go back 19 times to this wonderful town in Ukraine to work with orphanages. Um, we worked with four orphans and orphanages, and then we branched out, and so, so but the idea of, of just reaching that part of the world for Christ was a part of this call that God gives us. And, and we would have church members say, you know, wh why are we going over there. Why are we going so far? And what we felt like the Lord was telling us is the reason we're doing that is because we can. We have the ability. Not everybody can go that far. Now, they were still doing local missions. I mean, they were doing a lot of local missions. They were doing national missions. They, they, but internationally, they said, God is calling us to help reach people in that town. And they continue to go even to this day sending teams. And there's so many powerful testimonies of these orphans that have uh, no mom, no dad. Uh, and if they do have parents, mo most of them are incarcerated. Uh, they just don't have a family. And so the government has, has taken these kids and put them in these orphanages. And they're sweet kids, just like any, any child in the world. And, uh, and the impact of the gospel and these kids who've gotten saved. And then the churches that we were connecting with they said, you know, we've not ever done anything with these orphans. We've just neglected them. And God began to stir their heart, and they began to reach out, and they began to, to, to look at these orphanages, not, not, even the ones we were going to, but there, there were more, and saying, you know, we just know God's called us to, to take care of these kids, and we haven't done it. Uh, we would use translators from the, from the colleges, kids that knew English, kids that were Christians who knew Christian terminology and theology, and so those were our translators. So every team member would have a, a translator because we, we didn't speak Russian, you know. I didn't speak Ukrainian. I took Russian, and my brain just didn't, I, I just couldn't pick it up. Nor could I pick up Spanish, nor could I pick up Greek or Hebrew. I, your, your pastor just doesn't have the ability to do foreign language very well. But the bottom line is, so we, we would have um, 
a translator, and we would just be able to speak to these kids about Jesus. And it's, it's just so, so precious. Um, I'll tell you one quick story. So one year we, we, we talked to this one director, uh, and she said, I want you to know that I got in a lot of trouble from the government because of you. And we're like, what happened? And she said, but I'm not upset. I'm actually very, very grateful and very proud. And we said, what are you talking about? She said, well, we have government officials that come and interview the kids on a regular basis. And one of the questions they were asking was, what's the most important thing in your life? And the majority of my children were saying, Jesus Christ and my relationship with him. And she said, that didn't make the government officials very happy. But I know that it's because you come from America and you spend time with these children and you love them genuinely and you tell them about a God who created them, who loves them. And their response to the message that you've been preaching so faithfully, so consistently, has changed my orphanage. And these kids, how they treat one another and how they act and how they treat the, the staff that work here has made our orphanage so much better. And I don't mind catching heat from the government, she said, because God's work is more important. And she could have lost her job. She, she could have been fired, and she wasn't at the time, thank the Lord. But my point in sharing with you this is that God has called us to take the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, everywhere. Macon, yes. Georgia, yes. The United States, yes. Internationally, most definitely. And as God begins to stir our hearts, and that's what he'll do when he wants us to do missions, he'll stir our hearts. And if God is stirring your heart at any time during the year, respond to that. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching, and we were talking about stories, how Jesus' story changed it all, and we talked about he came to destroy the works of the devil. If you start thinking in your mind that you're unworthy, that you don't do enough for God, you know, that you should be ashamed because you're not going out on the mission field. If those thoughts are going through your mind, I want you to know that's not the Lord speaking to you. God doesn't come at you as a child of God with condemnation and with guilt and with pressure like that to do his work. I would say that's the enemy trying to make you feel guilty and worthless and unworthy. But the way I know the Lord speaks to us is he starts stirring in our heart this passion, this love, this desire, and it wells up from without. We're alive in the river, as we sang, or as the song was being led. It's the Holy Spirit in us, that river of living water. We're alive in Jesus. And when this life that he gives us starts bubbling, starts stirring you, then pay attention to that. Because I believe that's how God, for the most part, nudges his children, urges his children to step out in missions. And it could be starting this week with loving one of your family members during Thanksgiving. It could be doing something locally and it might be, yeah, doing something internationally. Because there's needs all over the world. 
and you and I can't meet all the needs. And we aren't called to meet all the needs. But as church is, so as you and I just do what God's asking us to do, that's all he's asking us to do. But we need to do it. Let me close with this. Like I said, I've, I've had the privilege of traveling a lot to do missions overseas. And every international airport that I've ever been in, that I've seen a group of Americans, and it's not that there's not other groups, I just don't know their language. But when I hear English being spoken at an international airport, and I look and there's a group of people, I'll always go over there. And I'll introduce myself and see who they are. Cam, every group that I've ever met in any international airport that were American, you know what they were doing? They were on a mission trip. They were going somewhere in the world to share the love of God. Now, I haven't traveled a whole lot, but I've traveled a lot. And every time I've ever met a group, it was because they were called by God to go. So where is God calling us? These places we talked about, these places we've celebrated. Tijuana, and it might be another place as God leads us. But may we remain faithful, may we make consistent, and may we share this wonderful message of salvation in Christ.